Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 69. <laughs> the nicest podcast we're ever going to release. Very nice. Recorded on Tuesday, November 22nd, 2016. I'm your host, Evan Minto. And with me, as always, is my co-host and uh, my guide into a world of depravity. It's David Estrella. You know, I still haven't received a thank you. A thank yet. you? Oh, boy. You're going to get quite a thank you this episode. I haven't... You know, I haven't had the the message come in yet saying like, oh, David, thank you so much for introducing me to the wonderful world of visual novels. Thank you. My life is completely different from now on. I'm still waiting. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to get you're going to get your response. It, it, it will probably well, not involve if, a lot of thanking. You know, even if I don't get a thank you, I do. I have now properly enacted my vengeance on Evan for subjecting me to like some 40 hours of undertale undertale is not 40 hours long i have no 40 way. i have 40 hours racked up on my steam account <laughs> i was pretty thorough i'm pretty sure it was like six hours for me anyway it's episode 69 and we make a lot of bad jokes about like banging and stuff and uh so and david was like let's go let's do it <laughs> episode 69 and we, uh, if you listen to a previous episode, we briefly suggested as like a joke, but maybe not that, uh, that David give me a visual novel, a Japanese gay, an erotic game to play. Some people uh, prefer interactive fiction, heaven. That's right. That's right. Or IF uh, for short. IF. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's intelligent dance music actually. <laughs> So, I think I've joked about intelligent dance music on this show before. A couple times. So anyway, uh, we uh, we picked one. I I left uh, you know left it to dealer's choice, and uh, David picked Saya no Uta, the song of Saya, and uh, I played it. So we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff first, but uh, that is the main subject of this show, celebrating yeah. uh, sixty nine episodes of the Annie Gamers podcast. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get caught up because it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff has happened. Uh, you know, some cartoon things and video game things, but also like just g- giant depressing existential just things. Complete dissolution of my reality as I know it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's a little bit unavoidable to talk about, about politics, at least a little bit on this episode. Uh, I mean, normally I guess I would be like, well, to each their own, but like... Uh, it's not a, not a good time to be an American, honestly. Uh, yeah, so I to, just to keep it in line with the cartoons, uh, ever since the uh, election, I haven't been able to watch a single episode of anime because yeah, it's just so it's, that, it just doesn't matter anymore. I feel I, like I, I I appreciate you like making this about anime because otherwise I'm going to go into a political rant. But yeah, uh, the the week after uh, after Trump won the presidency. And I, like a lot of other people, didn't didn't think he really had much of a shot at it. And, you know, consider, honestly, just consider him to be a, a very dangerous candidate and a dangerous president-elect. Uh, yeah, it was like a, it was a pretty big shock. And I spent about a week. Are you just drinking alcohol? I'm watching David on the video. <laughs> I like I've been drinking bottle. ever since uh, November 11th. Uh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would if I drank. That would that was it's, like one thing that would drive me to drink. It's the ideal time to start. <laughs> but yeah, like the about a week for about a week after, I just did like I was like, why would I like play a video what game or is, watch an anime? Even, like, who cares about my opinions about cartoons? Right. It's like it's time to go out into the streets and pick up a rock and throw it at a cop. <laughs> Unfortunately, 
to 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 keep it relatively like you know on on subject here uh it's just worth mentioning like we're gonna keep doing this uh i'm probably gonna get more politically involved but like this is still you know once i came out of the sort of haze of of post-election depression uh you know there's a lot of big big stuff that people are going to be going through in the next four years and uh hopefully i can be a part of making that better but uh maybe you know if if this makes people's lives a little bit happier then uh, then it's worth it so yeah and honestly podcasting. it's what it's been like two weeks where i get i mean i don't know if i'm prepared to just sit down and watch a cartoon yet but i think we do oh th- i mean this is this is our duty isn't it to record we got to keep talking about the the violence and the banging right it's very important we, we we just we just can't let the nazis win right the anime nazis to keep it on on subject for the anime gamers podcast <laughs> so anyway that's that uh let's let's uh let's make bad jokes and uh try to fr- you know drink and forget i'm the into real it world. so uh just a little bit of housekeeping before we move on you may have noticed if you're new to the podcast there's another show in the feed it's called old talk old taku i can't say it which is maybe a problem <laughs> old taku no radio it's our, you cannot uh, <laughs> say his own content's name so it's the side podcast hosted by Ink and Jared. Hopefully we can do some some crossover with them soon. But uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, I've been listening to to their episodes because uh, I, I hadn't actually heard them yet. But uh, pretty, uh, pretty good stuff. Much more analytical and fewer uh, just like bad jokes and off subject conversations as us. And I was a guest on the Greatest Movie Ever podcast. We talked about Little Witch Academia. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've heard me rave about how much I love it. It's uh, animated by Studio Trigger. So uh, go check that out. Greatest Movie Ever is a really good podcast. Uh, Paul Chapman, the host, uh, does like these anime-specific episodes. Usually the, the episodes are about like cult film. So check that out. And that's that for housekeeping so let's do it let's do it what are you uh what are you doing david what's your i know exactly what your thing is <laughs> well like your one thing that that can save you from the crushing reality of american fallen, politics i've fallen so deep into the pokemon hole um you know i just i keep digging and i keep thinking you know this might be i might be fine with only getting to this depth and then another game came out sun and moon i was actually gonna consider missing it for at least a few days i just wanted to hear you know what people you know on the on the ground level were saying about it but no i just i couldn't really resist i jumped right in and i you know it's weird because in my day because i've been following pokemon since it basically began in my day, around like Generation Three, I guess, the like Ruby and Sapphire, you know, Pokemon was considered baby shit, right? Uh oh, you mean not now by me? Well, not now, still yeah. Considered baby shit, but like baby shit, like you just have to like you know keep that on, under the table. You really, you really couldn't publicly play that game sure, when sure. you were in my generation. Like franchise at that age, you know, basically, if you were in middle school and still playing Pokemon, you were at risk of getting beaten up in the uh in the playground um but now that we're on generation seven and now pokemon's cool again and like now even, now it's like if you pick the wrong pokemon you're at risk of getting beaten up 
by another Pokemon fan in the playground. A younger Pokemon fan in the <laughs> playground. Um, but the weird thing is, it's like some sort of self-realizing prophecy where Pokemon is now baby shit. Like, gameplay-wise, it is... There's so many invisible oh. walls in this game. Wait, you're saying because it's more popular among no they just they really streamlined and refined it to the point where it's kind of like it's easy it's not yeah no it's not it's not the same pokemon game that you knew it i'm confused though so it's like it was for babies so it was hard well you know it was like it was an image so it's it was an image problem (laughs) that was the thing it was an image problem around then but now that pokemon is cool for like everybody and adults now it's been made so easy that i'm kind of feeling like well i stuck around for this long to see it become the exact thing that people thought it was yeah you know i liked them before they signed to a major label yeah i saw them back like in the original tour uh for the first album and i thought like that was the best uh the best music i mean you'll when was the last time you played pokemon evan um i was probably in middle school (laughs) So we probably stopped around Ruby and Sapphire, right? Uh, before maybe it was elementary school. I stopped. Maybe. I stopped right where I started at Pokemon Silver. Nice. Okay, yeah. so you at least remember a few things, right? Uh, there's a Pikachu, mm-hmm. and there's like a like a crow who's like he's like a black bird Pokemon, yeah. and but you uh, remember like the structure, right? Guy. You remember tree the guy. structure where it was like eight. Yeah, no, I know. What a, yeah, you yeah. know what a Pokemon game is, right? Yeah. Pokemon Sun and Moon has no gyms. There are no gyms. There's no league for you to confront. There are no more hidden mo- uh, hidden machines, so you don't have to coordinate your team to learn fly and surf and strength and flash and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, there's basically no point anymore to like coordinate who's on your team because you can just turn on the experience share and everybody gets experience now. Oh. And they don't really, like, cut things, like, in half. They kind of just, like, really dole experience out, like, candy. Do they still have rare candy? There's no point, because it's so easy to gain levels <laughs> now. <laughs> um, yeah, so before Sun and Moon, I was playing Black and White and Black and White 2. And those games are excellent. That's Generation 5. That was still on the DS. That's still Pokemon as maybe Evan might remember it. That was, like, that. that's probably the best refinement of that formula and then with x and y it's linear and easy you know you kind of start to see the the change in the in the tide and by the time sun and moon comes out then it's like oh this is what pokemon's gonna be now and i'm not i'm not entirely on board yet i'm only halfway but i'm not not fully into it yet wow yeah you were you were really you were really into it. Yeah, no, 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 no. It. I have 200 hours in black and white, <laughs> in black and white too. And that was within the span of like, what, like a month? Like yeah. when I like talked to you about it on the podcast and then up until now, like I just, I just couldn't get enough. I have like 40 hours in XY. Uh, I actually do own like both copies, like X and Y. And I put enough time in that. It's like, it's just, I'm, I'm an embarrassment is what I am. Well, that's not that's not news, I think, to anybody nope. who's been listening nope. to sixty nine episodes of this podcast. Mm-mm. I wish you could guys you guys could see like the every time that David takes a drink. 
because it's like uh it's an important part of this experience so uh as for me i i am actually back to anime and manga finally after not being uh, tell capable me, t- tell me how it is because i'm like i'm like getting getting the urges but i'm still you know completely well if devastated. you want to know about if you want if you want to know about urges speaking of of episode 69 is uh that there's yuri on ice which i am watching and i'm not caught up with but i'm uh, totally spoiled on that i don't yeah yeah i mean yeah. i got spoiled on it too so it's it's uh it's interesting because people love this show right like the people on my you know social media feeds and stuff are just freaking out about it everybody that's the only appropriate reaction though to like scream right (laughs) but so it's it's interesting like it's we talked about it initially and we're like oh it's like you know it's it's good but it's definitely just like it's baiting fujoshi right with this like kind of i don't know if i said baiting i mean i think i'm i was the one that i was the one that probably presented the uh initial issues with it but i don't I just okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't say baiting because I didn't see enough of it. Right. OK. Yeah, I, I might have said that. But yeah, basically, like that was definitely my first read on it was, it was like, yeah, it's it's doing all those sort of, you know, gay baiting stuff for for like a mm-hmm. presumed audience of straight women that you usually get from these shows. But like Sayamamoto is just doing a really good job with it. And it's a lot of fun. But uh, it's looking like it's at least leaning more toward actually being gay, which would be really cool. And a lot of people are very excited about the prospect of that just because, like, we don't tend to see a lot of that. Uh, certainly not in shows that are more general audience and not sort of pigeonholed into just being like a BL show, right? And like, Yuri on Ice has definitely got appeal outside of that. And it would be really cool for it to just genuinely be a story about two gay people that's not like put into like some sort of category where only a certain group of people will watch it. I'm still skeptical. I'm not caught up. People have told me that it's been sort of accelerating over time. Uh, I'm I just I'm so cynical that I just believe that like the Japanese industry couldn't bear to actually do well, that because they don't like, they don't do that sort of thing, right? They generally and just, like, don't. The the like J- Japan is not a super friendly place for LGBT people. So to begin with, yeah, right. So it's it would be more so than than even in like the U.S. It would be quite a big hurdle for somebody to just go out and do that and tell that story. It, yeah, right. You know, it's weird where you can do stuff where it's just for titillation so right. easily, <laughs> and then when you actually try to make a serious story where it's just they just happen to be gay, that's a lot rare, a lot more rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's actually that involves not treating it like a fantasy, but as a real legitimate thing that people can experience that is not weird. And that's the part that's like the hurdle, I think, for people, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's still lots of fun. I've also, I've just sort of thought about, because like, you know, I, don't, I don't feel a lot of compulsion to watch every episode. Uh, and I think that's just because like, it's got two main genres it's doing, and it's sports and romance. And, and I know neither you, of those are things that I like. I know how you feel about both of those. <laughs> so, like, it, it's good when I watch it. It's it's very well done. It's it's fun. The characters are great. But I'm, you know, whatever. I, I don't like watching love stories and I don't watch like watching sports stories all that much. Uh, so it's not something that I'm, like, super looking forward to every week. But definitely want to see it through to the end. Uh, it's It's cool that it's about figure skating. That's actually one of the most exciting things about it. It's just, like, that's not a subject we get a lot of and uh i'm also 
In terms of manga, I've been reading the One Punch Man manga. Uh, we have some stuff at the office, like just some, we have a bunch of volumes of stuff that's sitting around. So I, I borrow them sometimes and read them. And uh, have you, I forget if you've seen One Punch Man or read the manga. I watched the anime. Okay. I only watched a couple episodes of the anime because it was on Hulu and I hate watching things on Hulu. Yeah. So I never got back to it. But uh, I guess it's on Daisuke, but I didn't try watching it on Daisuke because. Uh... <laughs> so anyway, uh, the manga is great. And I had read a volume of it a long time ago, but uh, it, I, uh, I I guess I wasn't surprised, but I just got super into it. It's it's very similar to the anime. The anime is a pretty accurate like depiction of it. But uh, the the art is really great. It's uh, it's Yusuke Murata, the artist who did uh, I Should 21. And it's got a lot of that, like just just the sort of art that you get from really good shonen action artists, like people like Akira Toriyama, where there's a really good sense of of like inertia and stuff to things and, and kind of these great, you know, very good uh, just like composition on setting up, like, you know, doing the anticipation on a punch and things like that. It's like it's people who I, I guess I would just it's those sorts of artists seem to really understand what makes like cinematic action interesting to look at and they're able to like render it on the page. And I always find that to be really great. Not to mention it's it's like super funny. There's like this this badass that you probably I think he's in the anime, like King, the guy who's like the badass, like strongest man, but he's actually Well, they're all just, just like uh, the strongest man until they get punched. Yeah, but but King is like the he's got these three scars <laughs> and he's actually a he's just a gamer. He's like a Hikikomori gamer who accidentally ended up in places where other heroes beat people and now everyone thinks he's the strongest. So he's like the reverse of Saitama where Saitama is actually the strongest and everyone thinks that he's just, you know, he's just lucky and he shows up at the right time. Yeah, you know, One Punch Man has a really fascinating angle with like just the approach to humanity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like with all these characters that show up around uh, Saitama. Like Saitama himself is actually really interesting too just because he's like... He's just so on the edge of this sort of like cynicism and mm -hmm. just kind of like, you know, just take life as it comes to you. And then just, you know, maybe your opportunities, you know, somewhere in the distant future. But, you know, if he's going to be if he's the one punch man who can just defeat everything in one punch and that's just so certain and he's looking for this guy that he might not be able to beat in one punch and it just it never happens. And it's just it's it's torture, but it's also just it's so. You know, you start. You just start to think about yourself. I think <laughs> it's when, a really brilliant. It's a brilliant yeah. idea, right? It's it's mm. very much like a you know critique of Superman or whatever, but definitely from like a comedic perspective, not any sort of really serious. Right. One. It's 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 the you know it's the same sort of thing that like DC writers have to do, where they're like, how do you tell an interesting story about Superman? And because well, not just like, like Superman, but like a large, ridiculous like, guy in a cape. Right, but specifically Superman, because Superman is so strong that the common problem is how do you tell an interesting story about him? Exactly, and he, and he also yeah. looks like like a like an, an idiot. idiot. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess it's also like it's definitely kind of commentary, and I don't want to make it sound like it's serious because One Punch Man is definitely a comedy. No. But it's like it's it's satirizing shonen action too with the the sort of power creep. Right. Of like, well, I'm the strongest. Well, I'm the strongest. And it's like, well, what, how do you tell a story when the strongest one will always just be the main character? And like there, no escalation can possibly beat that. And uh, yeah, it's 
it's just great because it just turns everything on its head. So all these, you know, all these like, oh, well, you know, what's the strongest? Like, no, no, no. Like, just don't don't actually ever try to engage with the serious story here because it's impossible. <laughs> it's been made impossible by the premise of the story, right? It's great. And it's like, it works really well with Murata's art because he's trying, like, you know, he's earnestly drawing this very serious looking story. And then it's just constantly undercut by one's writing. And it's it's like a perfect <laughs> combination where it's like, it's drawn as if it is this really earnest action manga. I think it's like better. It's it's. I haven't really read one's original webcomic because one like can't draw, so it looks really bad. And like I originally thought that might be funnier because it you know, just because it like underscores the comedy. But it might actually be funnier to have the dichotomy of like it. It feels yeah. like the manga is trying to be a shonen action anime, but it can't. It just ends up being a comedy. Ooh, it's it just it's so. I really, I really love that final bit in the, um, in the series where it's just, it's, it's essentially just, you know, the actual apocalypse arriving on Earth and Saitama's not really worried <laughs> at all. And he right. just, he just tears through these enormous set pieces like it's nothing, you know, and that's yeah, a lot yeah. of work for somebody to create, you know. <laughs> well, that's and the thing the- too that's been, that's like really, really remarkable about it is the amount of design work and just, you know, like coming up with characters. There's all these heroes who show up or have all these wacky names and they're all just, they're killed immediately. It's, it's, it's kind of sad when you're like, man, they came up with some really good ideas there and they're just, yeah, they're just gone. All right. So that's that for all this, uh, all this anime and this manga. Just push and that aside. Hands. Just get that out of here. Wipe the table clean. For the banging. And the violence. And <laughs> certainly the violence as uh, well, which is which is I, definitely on display in Saya no Uta, the song of Saya. So I reread this the <laughs> I reread this on election day. I didn't go to work because oh I was really like, I was sick. I was so I was so sick. We were all sick. No no, but I was like like just physically like actually ill. I didn't go to work for like two mm-hmm. days. It, it looked like I was really depressed about the results, which I was. <laughs> but it only just coincided that I like I just I just, I couldn't breathe. I thought, I, yeah, I mean, I was dying. So I reread it for I don't know how many times I've reread this this visual novel. I, this is like my go-to visual novel if I just like want to remember what like a visual novel is, and I just need a quick kick or fix or whatever from the Urubuch. From the Urubuch. So to just you know you know get people with us here on level with us. Uh, Sayana Uta is a visual novel that was released I think in two thousand and three. Uh, it's by Nitro Plus, who, uh, they had Gen Urobuchi writing the scenario for Sayana Uta. Gen Urobuchi has written a lot of anime that people know, including Psychopaths, Fate Madoka, Zero, Fate Zero, um, like the first All four Noah minutes Zero. of All Noah Zero or something. I don't know. He like dropped out. That's right. Yeah. He doesn't like his name to be attached to it because he wrote like the rough idea and then a couple episodes and, and then left and then they yeah. got like the boku no pico guy to write the rest <laughs> of it or something like that <laughs> so yeah i mean like he has a reputation definitely for pretty like nihilistic stories and the and definitely a lot of uh, i i feel like and and I, I maybe i haven't seen as much from him but like definitely a lot of kind of like intrigue and stuff like that kind of like you know Double big, crossing and things like that. You know, like really big on like the Matrix, uh, you know, Equilibrium, uh, 
you know, like horror movies, H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Just, he's a nerd's nerd in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's one of the few anime script writers that I think has any name recognition, really. Right. Like, like major, can... like majorly, at least on this side. Of the, yeah, he can, of the he can be a guest at an American anime convention and people know who he is. But I think that's more from the infamy of writing that one magical girl show than really that's anything true. else. Madoka is definitely something he's known for. So, but before, you know, he was, you know, big and famous over here, he was writing erotic visual novels for Nitro Plus. Started at the bottom. Sinota. Now, now we're here. Um, so, Evan, this is your first visual novel. I think I've been waiting long enough to hear your, <laughs> your, your emotions, your feelings, your sorrow, and your anger. <laughs> David, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, I don't know. I think you, you have probably ridden in my 1995 Honda Accord in college, but I, as a, as a former owner of a Honda Accord, I want to say, uh, I did very much enjoy Honda Accord simulator, yes. uh, Uta. <laughs> uh, I'm referring, of course, to the fact that there are multiple kind of just unprompted specific references to the fact that uh, one of the characters owns an Accord. And every time that they drive, they don't call it the car. They call it the Accord. Yeah. And you know what? You'd really appreciate this, I think, but you probably didn't catch it. There's a little bit of extra content if you click around on the title screen. Do I get to fuck the Accord? No, 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 no. But it'll take it'll take you to it. it'll take you to the like the staff messages like from like after they finish the game and they just like write like a thank you and they draw you like a picture or whatever. They had the 3D modeler present a wireframe of that Honda Accord from the actual <laughs> CG in the game. So they like broke it down. So like half of it is the CG with like every like the filter and everything on it, it, and the I rest is the wireframe. I couldn't pay attention to anything else in the game. I didn't pay. I that was the only note I took was just uh, Honda Accord Simulator. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I, not we we haven't really talked about what this is about, but uh, but Sayana Uta is a. I guess you could describe it as Lovecraftian. I don't know how much how much Lovecraft there really is there. I'm like ninety five percent. Yeah, I'm think, I'm no yeah. I'm not a Lovecraft expert. I don't think I've really read any of his works, but it definitely has elements that I would associate with Lovecraft, not being, you know, super knowledgeable on it. So it's about a guy who gets in a car accident. Name is Fuminori, main character. Uh and he gets gets in a car accident, his parents die, he's like a college student, and he starts having these what you can assume are hallucinations it's you know it's it's definitely one of these stories that's like got a uh it, it's hard to tell what is what is like hallucination and what is an actual supernatural occurrence and then the two sort of uh merge together a lot of, at a lot of points in the story so he sees the entire world as just like sort of pulsating masses of of meat and flesh and just like it's just this disgusting horrific reality where like every surface he sees in the world is is not you know doesn't look like it should uh all the people he sees are these just like disgusting masses of of organs and things uh and he can like barely make out what they say and it's just like super disturbing but he's he's somehow like barely functional he's able to have conversations with people uh 
and it sort of takes a little while before the game reveals the the title character saya but she is the only person who he uh who he sees as human she's the only person who appears human to him everyone else just appears as these like you know again masses of flesh so how much do we want to spoil david because there's obviously spoilers in this game though i would say it is pretty obvious very early on what's going on it's like it's not it's not that hard to figure out yeah no it's obvious and it's also kind of old at this point that's so, true yeah actually uh, when did i didn't check when it came out 2003 okay yeah yes yeah, so i think we can we can spoil it uh, just you know beware uh i I think David, if you want to give a quick pitch for people who no. don't want to get spoiled, no, no, no. If you if you've got a like, faint interest in seeing the origins of the Urobuch himself, uh, I recommend it at least because it's only like what four or five hours long. It, there's yeah, no filler. I, it's I played full, it in basically one sitting, which is really surprising. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, like it's definitely got a lot of weird, gross, questionable content in it, but you are interested in anime, manga, and video games anyway. Yeah, come on, come on. Your entire life is questionable if you listen to this podcast. Yeah, uh, so get on it, guys and girls and non-binary. <laughs> Everybody, get on it. Everybody. Yeah. So that that being out of the way now... Uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, the moment that you see Saya and the moment that he's like, she's the one person who doesn't look like a monster, it's like, got it, she's got a it. monster. Yeah, like, figured it it's out. So, it's so immediately <laughs> obvious. Uh, so she's a, she looks like a child, because anime. Anime. And uh, he literally has some line where, let me let me get it, I, got, I definitely took some notes about yes. some of these lines. I know the one uh, you're talking about. <laughs> Let's see. I, I hope I actually took... Uh, oh, there it is. Her existence meant far more to me than the standards of society. Bam! Nailed Ooh. it. So this is definitely a game about pedophilia on some level. It's not all about pedophilia, but it's got it's got it in there. And it's got I will all talk the excuses, my own... too, where she's like really intelligent yep. Yep. and uh, she understands that banging is entirely for the sake of procreation and that it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it, I, I guess at the very least, it acknowledges that that's a, that's a, like you know, that society frowns on that. Uh, I don't know how often these games do that because obviously, you know, if you've been around the block, you know that that you know this is a common theme is is uh, people having sex with children in these video these sorts of video games. So like, I don't know how often they actually address it even if they do that doesn't make it like yeah no they okay, got they gotta they, they gotta address it, it but they gotta address it but let's let's be real over here the saya and Fuminori are very deranged yes so that's that's the thing is it's very clear that there's this is not like a healthy normal relationship nope. it's very obvious that saya is this like lovecraftian monster and that Fuminori is not right in the head that he's got you know he's either been kind of like possessed or he is just kind of he, just crazy he is entirely traumatized from right. falling into this horrific world at you know, just waking up and seeing what everything has become. But then this girl shows up and then he thinks this is the first human being I've seen in weeks in this right. incredible world that I just can't believe that I'm in. And she has to become a savior figure for him like right then and there. Yeah. So yeah. And, and obviously uh, it's an erotic visual novel so they they have sex a lot. We're gonna have to uh, talk about the balance between the uh, the arrow and the gay 
So you have the arrow. <laughs> this is on the, one this hand. is not Yuria Nice gay. This is like GE. GE gay. gay. Yeah. yeah. Because they're <laughs> I mean in, in in effect I have to drag you a little bit into the uh the quirks of visual novels mm-hmm. where these games are either they're either gonna be about plot or they're gonna be about the porn. Mm. And I mean, it doesn't even depend, like, doesn't even matter if it's like, you know, something like Sayana Uta, where it's like porn maybe 10% of the time, 5% of yeah, the time. Yeah, it is not actually as much as I expected, but no. what is there was pretty, uh, pretty disturbing to me. Mm. Uh, yeah, but then it's weird because a lot of people get that sort of fulfillment from reading like 95% of non-porn to get to that 5%. And it's more meaningful than when it's like a full-on mm-hmm. just porn game from start to finish. Yeah, I see what you You mean. know what I mean? Because, yeah, it's well, because there's a sort of emotional pornography angle to it too. True. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of like getting to know the characters and not just seeing, I mean, I guess not just seeing them as objects, but there's definitely, I don't, again, don't want to make it sound like all this stuff is totally cool and good because a lot of, my understanding is a lot of those games, uh, are like kind of presenting an unhealthy view of women, like a lot of dating Sims and stuff, but you know, whatever someone could send me an email and say like, that's totally wrong. Cause I have definitely not played those games. I'm assuming yeah, baby, baby steps first. I got to break you in. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's also like, I mean, just, yeah, in, in terms of, uh, format, it's like, it's a visual novel. So there's lots of just like characters talking, which is mostly fine in a because it's like it reads like a book it's just you're reading a bunch of text so it's just like picture of cafeteria and some shots of characters and then you read that they're having mundane conversations sometimes those conversations are definitely a little too mundane and it's like we're talking about skiing and it goes on for like a page or two and it's like all right i I got the gist that you were talking about skiing i didn't need all the details of the skiing (laughs) conversation yeah, well, you know, you could have been so much worse because, like, Sayana Uda, at least, is, like, the closest, I think, that we have in the English market to a game that, well, visual novel. I don't know. I don't want to get into the game and visual whatever. novel. Whatever. I count it as discourse. a game. It's fine. It's like... Whatever. Yeah. Whatever whatever term comes it's a out, kind of, video out of my game. mouth. Uh, Sayana Uda is, like, probably the closest we have to a title that it's full-on content, no filler, because a lot of these visual novels... Here's another quirk. A lot of these visual novels are created first and foremost to really just fatten up the megabyte count on the text. They're really big on character counts, on line counts, and they get very uh, intense and, and trying to scrutinize how long a visual novel is just to like, you know, pump up the value of it. And Sino Uda is weird because it's not long. It doesn't depend yeah. on that sort of thing. So you've got like kind of like a... a a weird one. It's not like really like the full gist of what visual novels are for the most part, where they're kind of like 30 hours long before <laughs> you get to the actual banging and like it opens up into like, oh, you choose the character you want to bang and then it branches off into all these roots. And then, you know, you've got what, like 10 hours for every character that you want to follow and then another 10, 20 hours for the true, like this is the real banging route where you are with like the whatever principal character is on the cover of this of this title the cyanogut is nothing like that right yeah i mean it only has what two or three choices uh, i only got the two yeah. of them I, I, to be clear i did not play every route i i did stop before i played the third route 
Yeah, so there's not that many options. I mean, you can basically, like, there's just kind of three main directions you can go in. One of them sort of, like, terminates early, and then there's a, a split off at the end, uh, I, I think. I don't know. That, Which does is, the third yeah. route, like, go much further than that? Well, it's interesting because you are no longer following the narrator at that point. You're following the other... You're following his friend. You make yeah. That that was also that was odd because it changes it changes the perspective of the story. Like you're not, and because there are so few choices, it kind of doesn't feel like I am playing as anybody. It just feels like I'm directing the direction of the story because you you make choices mm-hmm. for two different characters at different points. I feel like it's more of a choice of like, well, what kind of ending do you want to see, rather than like you're actually in the character's head. But that's strange because you've always you've kind of been really close to the to Fumiori's mind yeah, for the, the beginning, beginning of the story. And then, so it felt to yeah. me like I was I was playing as him, uh, mm-hmm. which is why I picked the ending that I did initially, because I was like, well, all right, this is what I would do. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's speaking of that, it's probably worth just getting into the pretty serious stuff that goes down in this game and the sort of like the the themes therein because i mean basically what ends up happening is fuminori is you know progressively kind of getting more and more attached to saya and getting a little bit more you know depraved and and just not not right uh and and not just you know because he's like seeing all this this crazy stuff but he's like his his actions are he's starting to do things that are that are not good i believe uh Oh, I forget. Saya probably does it, not him. Like, uh, steals the medical papers at some point. But basically... Yeah. So Saya steals the medical papers to understand what's going right. on with his head to potentially fix him. But it seems like she learns a little bit extra along the way where... I'm not sure if I'm getting this right, but she kind of... <laughs> I think at that point she picks up how to change people's appearances to look a little bit more human-like in his world uh well the the first thing she does is she's able to make someone else see the world like he does yeah yeah (laughs) that gets into uh a thing in this this game and this ties into the pedophilia thing that i mentioned which is there's two there's these two big things that it does that i i find to be fairly objectionable uh sort of sort of morally and it it's and whatever like before people jump on me it's not like i'm saying like censor it or something but just <laughs> like the the thesis about the world that it presents to me is not something i'm comfortable with right uh and one is this idea that you know i mean maybe it's that like fuminori is just crazy right but there's definitely there's two different characters who espouse this idea that like uh saya like they recognize that Saya is a child and like somehow that is especially attractive to them Oh yeah, because she is more beautiful and it's like more sexually attractive to them. And there's a sort of impl- implication there that I sort of read that that is the natural urge that they have. And that, and like, you know, to extrapolate from that, it, it kind of implies that like to not be attracted to children is to be holding back from a natural urge, which I found to be pretty objectionable. <laughs> Well, you have two characters that really you shouldn't be gleaning that sort of thing from. You kind of right. got so, I mean, to retain. You have to retain your own moral code when you uh, when you're reading what these guys are thinking. Right. So definitely, for, so for Fuminori, I was like, whatever. He's just messed up. Right. Yeah. 
But then there's the the other guy, uh, the, his neighbor, who gets kind of like Saya does this thing to him so that he sees the world like Fuminori does. And I think it was mainly just that it like happens so quickly that he becomes a pedophile well, and he, a rapist. He, go, he goes that like quickly. he goes like the anime style deranged, yes, where yeah. it's like you know like little beady pupils. And he's just kind of like laughing to himself and saying like all sorts of like really vile things. I mean, it's it's obviously it's obviously super vile, feel, but like it's it almost like a really Robucci kind of villain that yeah, just it's, emerges it's, in like instantly. It feels really cartoonish. Uh, obviously, I, like I said, very just like super disturbing. But like it's kind of cartoonish how over the top it is that there's no nuance to it and. Uh, just it it felt to me like there's an underlying thing there that's just you know like well this is just you know when you when people get really scared they can't follow society's norms anymore and so they do these things mm. and that like that's like it's like hey uh that's not why people do these things it's not because they're like worried about society and they have you know like oh well uh, you know it's like people who people who who are not attracted to children are not not attracted because they are like well society wouldn't be okay with that they're they're just not right (laughs) honestly like fuminori's neighbor spends like what maybe one hour like like visually aware of what has changed before him yeah and he completely loses his mind right while fuminori took like what several what like a few months at this point yeah yeah so it's just it really happens a little bit too quickly yeah yeah and it's I, not and, it's not the strongest point in the writing yeah and then, i mean the other the other thing is there's like a you know fuminori i think at one point says something about like his his masculine urges or something uh well, that might just be the porn writing <laughs> he says men are really depraved creatures at one point and it's just yeah like i i've never liked obviously that kind of uh that that way of seeing the world that you know sometimes presented that it's just like well men just can't control they're just they're naturally rapists and they just uh they just you know they got to hold back or something which is like there's a there's an implication there and that's yeah just not not something i think is uh is is good and i get that like you can totally read that as just fuminori's messed up and uh that that's probably a valid i kind of yeah i gotta project look at that. a little bit to just like think like well you know like fuminori's probably got like just these urges in him that have always just been there and they're just more pronounced because he's in this world and so are you saying you're saying you could read it as fuminori himself just like he's, he's got that in him he's, he's just it's always just been in him mm. because otherwise if it wasn't he would have probably just he would have done any banging he probably would have just looked for this girl's father or whatever and mm. you know that would have been it they probably just would have been hiding from the world. Yeah, yeah. But it's got there's got to have to be banging in it because it's an area. Right. That's the thing is it feels like it feels really obligatory. Like there's a there's a version of this story I could see that didn't that wouldn't have any sex in it and wouldn't need all these weird themes about pedophilia and rape that would have just like just been a disturbing horror story, right? Like but it it's got all this other stuff in it and it has like this like sex slave thing going on in it. Oh. It just doesn't it's really really <laughs> not good like and yeah that stuff in particular near near the sort of end uh gets pretty pretty difficult to read uh where it's like his his one of his friends and he just like saya turns her into like a, a sex slave thing where she's like a 
transforms her into a monster it's less because he wants it and more because she's jealous is how the game poses it uh but he definitely like is into it he's definitely into it because he's already said like he's got these animalistic urges in him right but yeah like the there's outside of that stuff there there is uh you know there are there are themes here that are that are interesting and it's it's just like there's a question of what would you know what like how would how do how would people cope with something like this and there's definitely a kind of uh commentary yeah, you know, about the sort why... of subjectivity of of like human experience and and mental illness and stuff right that like you know that's that that's why it just everyone felt so sees weird the world on election day of all yeah, days right right and then you know you, i woke up the next day and i basically woke up in a throbbing flesh world that i couldn't recognize anymore <laughs> yeah i mean it's yeah it, it definitely kind of has a has a point in there that it's making that you know like well who and Maybe it's a little adolescent in that it's like, well, who's really sane if you think about it, right? Mm. But it does sort of just ask, you know, it just says like, you know, everybody sees the world differently. And, uh, you know, that this is a guy who's just sort of like sees the world in a and a very exaggerated sort of different. Uh, it's almost like it reminds me of a, a thing that I've I've thought about on occasion, which is like, you know, what if the uh, the way that people perceive color is like completely you know inverted from each other or something like that mm-hmm. as long as like the relative differences between color were there uh you would you like just never know because the you know it would just be the way that their brain works that's sort of interesting kind of philosophical cognitive question right yeah you know i mean it's an early work but i think we could kind of start to see the gears turning in Urubuchi's mind and just the kind of work that he's going to start putting out. I mean, like for being a really early work, he at least understands, you know, like he's got to keep things, you know, quick and short, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's definitely a criticism that I've, I've got of it. That's not, that's outside of just the criticism of the sex scenes. Uh, though it's related to the, the neighbor character we talked about. And it's also related to a character we haven't yet brought up who uh i i do sort of like and that's uh the professor the the doctor ryoko i think yes oh best she's the best character she shows up early on and becomes much more she's like really minor at the beginning and becomes pretty prominent later she's like the doctor and you pick you you pick you pick my favorite route to end off yeah so it's the one where you are she's a lot more involved in that yeah, so you, you play as uh, as Fuminori's like kind of former friend Koji, who's now trying to stop Fuminori because Fuminori is like doing all this bad stuff. He's like killing people and things for eating like, on behalf of Saya and he's eating storing and, his friends in yeah. his fridge. Yeah, so he's like definitely just sort of lost it, and and he's decided that you know the world is is gone. His the world is lost to him, and Saya is the only thing he cares about, and so you know he's in this inverted world in which people just look like sacks of meat. Uh, and so, you know, to him, cannibalism is is totally a okay. It's cool and good. Uh, so, uh, Ryoko, this like this uh, doctor, she, it turns out that she's like a, uh, like she's also a bit of a loose screw. <laughs> yeah, but she's like a like a I don't know like a like she's, an occultist sort of I almost like a vampire hunter type figure she, where she's like, she's like try, a, trying to track down Saya and she's like some sort of like forgotten 80s OVA character right right who has just <laughs> reappeared for Saya no Uta and 
I really, I really love that bit of Urobuchi's just, you know, just the kind of work that he does where he just introduces this, just this character that's just like really fascinating for just how out of like, just out of place and time they are. Mm-hmm. Like people don't write characters like that anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, she's, she's interesting because she does provide, you know, a character. I, I, I think the story would, would definitely be much less interesting without her. She provides yes. someone who knows what's going on to some degree. Right. And it's not just like Fuminori and Saya slowly just do bad stuff to people. There's like an opposing force of someone who's at least kind of like kind of trying to do something about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And like Koji's completely he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, yeah, why like, is my friend being a jerk? He, he, he's like, right? a, he's like, just a dumb oaf for yeah, like exactly. most of it. He's just a dumb, nice guy who yeah. just wants everybody to be friends. Uh, and then, uh, you know, like uses a, a revolver to try to make everybody be friends. He uses uh, what? He uses his revolver. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just cleaning. I'm just cleaning it up. I was about to jump in. <laughs> uh. So, so, um, yeah, like the thing about Ryoko though, and and this is where I have a little bit of an issue, is she talks about you know that this professor who sort of like either created or found Saya, it's not quite clear. Uh, who she worked with and how she's you know trying to track him down and she has seen the experiments that he did with with similar sort of weird occult or whatever stuff it's never quite clear at least in the routes i played whether saya is kind of like a you know lovecraftian you know creature from another plane or an alien or something but she's definitely not of like earth no no in the Uh, the novel it's i think it's stated that he uh, the the doctor what maybe oh, I missed, o- missed it. Ogi Ogi Ogiwe maniacs Ogiwe Doctor Ogiwe <laughs> uh, summoned Saya from another dimension. I guess it is kind of implied because there's all the like occult stuff, so she wouldn't be like an alien or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but basically Ryoko says that she, as soon as she saw this stuff happen, she like lost her sanity, and to me having i think only like come across kind of excerpts and references to lovecraft that feels like a very lovecraftian thing and i don't like it this idea that like seeing this bad thing instantaneously makes people go crazy and they well, are, there's the just whole... this binary it's like a light switch you turn the lights off now you're crazy well no that's i mean that's supposed to be the terrifying thing about it about the unknown just how exposure to it just affects you I, I I understand kind of internally within the, the world of Lovecraft what he mm-hmm. like what that is, right? I, I understand the mechanics of that, that people see this thing and they go crazy. I think it's really silly and hard to take seriously in, a, in like a story like this. Well, I mean, I kind of understand it because I don't know, like there was there's like a really there's like a kind of like a part of Lovecraft where I'm going to remember this incorrectly. But he did some stuff with like like geometry in a way because like we understand geometry like we just understand that things are things, and some of his writing was like just impossible geometry that just could not happen, and people would look at it and go insane. So I think in the way it's something like that where you just see something impossible, you know it's impossible, and then you just can't process it. So in effect, you kind of just lose it. Yeah, it's just it. It doesn't like in a really abstract way. I know, like I'm stating yeah, this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I kinda... it, it, it feels like Lovecraft's 
has created a world and, and Urobuchi by extension in Sayano Uta has created a world in which we, you have to suspend disbelief. Like everything about this world is normal, except that human beings can't handle looking at things they don't understand. Mm. Cause it's like, people have been looking at things they don't understand forever. That's why we have like religions and things like we have all these and like science and all every single you know, version of understanding the world comes from looking at the unknown and but, saying, how do we decide how but that's, this works? That's only because we're exposed to the things we're allowed to see. <laughs> right, right. I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I, I really, I mean, maybe you didn't like really get into it, but I, that was probably my favorite part where the doctor has to save uh, Fuminori's friend, mm -hmm. Koji. Koji, okay, I remember his name has to save his friend and then they kind of like realize what's going on in that uh like what abandoned cabin yeah that the that the doctor was hiding out in like i th i i think all that stuff is interesting because again having koji having two characters who are at least somewhat sane and able to like bounce off each other gives some variety to the story so you're not just stuck inside fuminori's head as he goes insane and you're like okay so now there's this other perspective there's an outside perspective you can contrast right and that i think uh also like it's not just a bunch of idiots who have no idea what's going on which is what yeah. the previous outside perspectives are is people being like why is fuminori being mean i wonder if he's still kind of sad after he uh after his parents died right like this is at least mm. characters taking action and they have two very different personalities and there's some conflict there and like it, it adds some more depth to the story and in a way, it's kind of like a just like a cleansing period for the reader yeah, yeah. to just get pulled out and then sure. just say, OK, here's some people that are not completely unhinged. But yeah, it's just for me, it just it feels like a cheap storytelling device to be able to basically hit a button and make characters go insane. And basically what the way Urobuchi uses it and maybe maybe Lovecraft uses it differently. I'm not sure is it feels like a shortcut. Like he needs a character to do something. And so he hits the crazy button and now they can do anything <laughs> because he's just rewritten their personality. Well, that's what Saya does. She, uh, I guess, drools on a person and then completely changes what they're supposed to be. That's her yeah, power, very, right? Very convenient if you're, a, if you're, you know, writer Gen Urobuchi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you can get beyond that, it's it's kind of okay and you just go like all right this is the way the character is but it just it kind of bothered me a bit uh just the the way that like there's no there's very little attention to the nuance of sanity it's just you're sane or you're insane and that's it yeah i don't know how quickly they would have thrown fuminori into a padded room to be honest with you with that with that uh first ending that was kind uh, of abrupt no that actually does that one makes sense to me because if he had described all of that stuff to someone and there was no evidence of it, that sounds like a crazy person. Like that sounds like someone who's I, I got guess. a real mental illness that you need to, you need to treat them for and not, you know, like they wouldn't be like, Oh, well that I wonder, I wonder if there is this, you know, uh, like you see the world as, as a bunch of meat and, uh, and there's a, a, a logical explanation for all this. Well, like the, the, the Occam's razor explanation is this guy is hallucinating, right? You know, like, Fuminori could say, like, I'm a murderer, I'm a cannibal, and then, like, people will just say, well, you know, maybe this guy's got ideas, let's listen to him. <laughs> oh, boy, it's getting real, it's getting real, real, real in here. So, I think we're uh, we're running a little bit long, so... 
I just I, we just want to tell you what the other ending was. Yeah, yeah. Describe the other ending, <laughs> and that that should be about the the end of this uh, this Sayonara episode. <laughs> um. So the other ending, uh, as you might have assumed, is Fuminori and Saya winning against yeah, Sanity. That's that's definitely what I assumed. Um. So Saya is pregnant. Okay. And oh yeah. I've, was there an implication of that earlier? No. I mean, there's a. Well, that's was, that's why she keeps on insisting that he right, uh, right. that that basically he blows his load inside. No. Wait. 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 So she actually says that it's so that she can like get information on human DNA, right? Yeah. But so but yeah, that she can get pregnant, as sure, most she, people would say. <laughs> I know, I know, but I guess he was using <laughs> that information on human DNA to also do like the to do know, like crazy modifications you know, like, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you know, the, the main sure. goal here yeah. is let's to... be real here. So is this this is a this is like a pregnancy fetish ending. Uh yeah. Basically, she explodes into flowers. Oh boy! And it's really okay. beautiful. Like mm-hmm. it's like so like beautifully done, and it's like everything is white and. Just really flowery, and everybody's crying. Which means crying. that the entire world is now sacks of meat. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The, <laughs> that's yeah. basically the whole like just end scenes is just different CGs of the world turning into meat. Nice, and, nice. Okay, and the, this is the, definitely the, this is this is opposite day the game. Yeah. Um. So the end. The end is basically just uh, Doctor. Uh, what Ryoko. Mm-hmm. Ryoko, right? No, Ryoko is just a like first name. But right. Ryoko is just basically hanging out in one of those cabins, drinking 180 proof vodka, uh, while she's slowly decomposing into a sack of meat. <laughs> and she's all like, "Well, uh, yeah, that's the end, guys. Uh, it's been a good run. I'm gonna go head down with the rest of the sacks of meat and uh, stock up on some booze before. Yeah, it's all uh, gone. S- sack of meat. Bon Jovi is doing a concert. We're gonna go watch him. <laughs> uh, do the Japanese like Bon Jovi? I don't know. They can't have worse taste than people in New Jersey. <laughs> so, does everyone in the in the in that ending see the world the way Fuminori does, though? Well, yeah, because everybody's turning into a sack of meat now. So, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem really? with that is that Saya turned everybody into a sack of meat. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, uh, the, and maybe this is the question. I don't know how, how well it poses it at the end, but, like, I would say, like, if everyone's a sack of meat, but they see the world as being normal because, they, like, it's this inverted reality... Then like, who cares? It's all good, oh. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Evan with the big questions. I mean, actually, like wouldn't it, that be fun? So now the only people that can see the sacks of meats are essentially just aliens. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's a, like there is a question there that's also interesting, which is just like you know, if if that's the way the real world was working, would you know and would you care? If we all woke up tomorrow as sacks of meat. And we all recognized each other as sacks of meat, and we understood what that was, what it meant. Would it make a difference? Hit us up on podcast at <laughs> anygamers.com. All right, all right. Uh, I think that's that's it for this. Uh, I I don't know if I'd recommend this to people uh, because for me the the sex stuff, especially the like 
the rape the the rape the scene the rape scene with saya is incredibly uncomfortable it is depicted with far too much detail and like there's there's a i don't know i maybe i'm being pessimistic but i feel like there's a there's a certain kind of glee to it that i just really it uh it's so horrific Mm. uh and then there's like the sex slave stuff with his other friend and it's not yeah, it's obviously supposed to, all this stuff is kind of supposed to be disturbing, but it's like this is not a game for the for the faint of heart. Like, well, the music is really good. <laughs> the music's uh, all right. Yeah. 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 There's some nice like vocal stuff. Yeah, going do you on. like those ending themes? That's actually uh, oh, yeah, yeah, they're Ito, nice. that's Ito Kaneko. I wrote a mm. big, long article on her for when she was in Anime Boston. Mm hmm. That was, I don't know, that was like five years ago or something like ridiculous like that. Yeah. Uh, actually, that, uh, was that song? I think that song might have been the one, the thing that got me into visual novels. Wow. I might have ended up hearing the song before actually reading the visual novel, if you huh. can believe that. Um, yeah, so just to like, you know, a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, in my day, we had the choice between Sayana Uta and Tsukihime. Okay, yeah, the tight moon thing. Yeah. Um, as to which one has aged better, definitely Sayana Uta. Mm. Uh, okay. The visual novel market is definitely a lot more diverse than it was when I had to choose. Uh, so you guys have it really good now. I will say on a positive note, uh, I like that the game does not really, like despite some of the, the sex stuff being disturbing to me, and definitely being there for titillation of some amount of the audience. It doesn't feel like the same sort of just really facile wish fulfillment that I expected, you know, that I would have expected from like a dating sim. There's not, to my knowledge, there's not like these routes where it's like you get with a different girl, right? It's it's the the routes are more just about choosing larger philosophical questions of like, how does this story turn out? Not like, well, which one do you want to uh, bang? Yeah, yeah, you know, Evan, it could have gotten a lot worse. You know, you could have had to choose the way you want to bang, you know, right, like right. where, the when, with, where, and how, and how, yeah. you know, these questions, they go pretty deep. Uh, so I spared you that at least. Uh, we do have a question uh, about Sayana Uta from a listener. Yeah. So let me, Let's... let me pull that one up. Uh, Billy the Denton on Twitter asks will normal relationships ever satisfy you again uh he asks again hmm uh so uh well the question is did they ever satisfy us to begin exactly with? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what i was implying uh I, I, um i would say that uh the relationships depicted in Saihana uta uh were that there were a lot of things but one thing that they were not was satisfying so they might have been normal <laughs> <laughs> there were there were a couple of words in there that you had to clarify they were definitely not no yeah no they were not normal and they were not satisfying so uh, i'm gonna probably stick with normal relationships uh relationships with pulsing sacks of mind controlling meat are hopefully not in my future yeah. when i, I when i guess was a, a little bit younger and more of an edgier teenager um <laughs> When I was reading Sayana Uta, uh, I didn't really catch on on just how sadistic Saya was. Not until yeah, she's now. not a nice girl. No, not a nice no, second. Not at all. No, I like I like the I like Doctor Ryoko a lot better. 
Yeah, she's cool. She got a sawed-off shotgun. There's a yes. lot of talk about the guns in it because of the fact that uh, I guess Japanese people, you know, don't have guns they to don't the same have degree guns. that we do. So it's like, oh, whoa, a gun, and a then gun. she like holds the gun up again. And he's like, that's still a gun. <laughs> whoa, it's a gun. <laughs> and then uh, notably, like at the end of the story, he's like fires the gun and then like it, there's like an inner monologue where he's like the only good thing in this whole world is guns <laughs> like, he's turned around really he quickly did, on he guns he didn't go insane he became an american <laughs> he became american <laughs> that's even right, more dangerous right. so um to to finish off our sayana uta uh talk i just want to say my bloodlust burns like orgasmic fire let's a- answer our next question <laughs> okay we got a question from inaki your friend and mine. My favorite. Congratulations on making the top 69 under 69. As we nice. watch civilization crumble around us, it's nice to know that my favorite soft podcast boys can't be stopped. Well, we will stop for that because like we're going to stop up record scratch. What about uh, we're soft podcast boys? I don't know. What? I mean, may- maybe. I, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? What does he mean by this? Would, would Tell me with soft <laughs> podcast boys do like a whole episode uh, episode 69 where they talk about Sayano Uta a very a hardcore um uh just very very uh, disturbed visual novel uh would would soft boys be uh lifting weights and drinking hard liquor the entire time as we have definitely <laughs> been doing <laughs> during this podcast I'll confirm at least half of that let's <laughs> say really it's more like like one quarter unless you were lifting weights when I wasn't looking <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a heavy bottle. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just please, you know, send us an email uh, if you have opinions on whether we are soft podcast boys or hard podcast boys or like something in the middle, some sort of Goldilocks in between. Malleable podcast boys. That's right. That's right. Uh, You know, plasma podcast boys. (laughs) Now that uh, he continues, now that Evan has indulged in a spicy visual novel, damn, Inaki's got the, the adjectives today. Yeah. How do you feel that the medium is conducive to the other, the often astronomical word counts of the genre? Is looking at a screen and clicking just easier than a heavy tome? Hell no. <laughs> books are good. Just like Koji uh, says that guns are good, books are good. <laughs> books are I like really reading good. books. I like reading physical books. I actually books have a great. lot of trouble reading digital manga. I don't know why. It's just something about not holding a paper book or something. Uh, they should print out visual novels. Hey, hey, do you know what? Um, you know, it's also a visual novel, like what? a book, because you look at it with your eyes and it's a visual thing. <laughs> if you think about it. Where's the banging, though? You just you could bang the book on the table when you're done and be like, that was a good book. I don't think my library will appreciate that. <laughs> it's quietly banging on the table. Uh, yeah. So, like, I don't like reading lots of text on a screen. That's a big thing. I also kind of feel like visual novels are not necessary except for specific circumstances. I will say Sayana Uta is a specific circumstance where I actually think it works really well because the backgrounds are able to depict the different chain. Like, you know, it shows different versions of the environments, right? And like depicting the environment that a scene is happening in is very important and having to stop and describe it in detail every time in a novel would probably get boring. So it actually kind of works as a visual novel where you're reading the text and you have like this backdrop. So you're like, there's the normal classroom. There's the messed up, uh, you know, uh, link to the past dark world classroom. 
Wow. Imagine if uh, Link to the Past had just designed everything in meat. <laughs> we just get like a like a like a texture swap for Link to the Past where everything is just meat. Yeah, get on it. Get on it, people. Uh, what about you, David? Books or uh, porn books? <sighs> You're making me choose. Um, Listen, if well, there's anything that visual novels are about, it's choosing. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, you know, I gotta say, visual novels are kind of a young medium, in a way. Young medium is my also, favorite rapper. And they're also, uh, maybe not in the healthiest of states right now. Um, there's definitely a lot of room for improvement everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of business practices that are gonna keep visual novels from really breaking through. Um... Right now, it's kind of like a weird bubble that the medium's in where most visual novels will profit from uh, just appearing on Steam. But those are kind of stripped down and like people have all sorts of weird complaints about them where it's like uh, the censorship and bad translations and all that. There's really no, it's no happy medium. Um, so... You know, if I gotta like, you know, if I gotta take one out and shoot them in the back of the head, like a diseased dog, it's probably gonna be visual novels. But I like books. I think visual novels have potential. They gotta work at it. And to work at it, it starts with finding some editors. Yeah. Also, I mean, not having a reputation for porn would be nice. (sighs) I mean, it's kind of inescapable. But I mean, visual novels don't have to be porn. This is really frustrating to me. Oh. Like, because like having these choose your own adventure books that have visual elements to them does absolutely not have to be a porn medium. Like, it can tell yeah. lots of yeah. stories, and and they definitely don't always do it. But they, it is pretty inescapable that like that is what visual novels are known for. Well, like right? I said, you know, it's business. Yeah, but so is the practice. publishing industry, and people publish lots of stuff that's not porn. I mean, they. I mean, they've secured. They secured their audience, but they're really worried because the entire market is in decline. I mean, America is really weird because of this bubble that's formed because of Steam, but that's not going to be around for long. With you know the streamers, it's really the streamers that are pushing the like just the casual purchase of a visual novel along. Which yeah. honestly, it's fun. It's funding. It's like it's seriously funding a lot of new visual novels, which is kind of insane to think that america is right right in a way like profitable for these crazy visual novel things i i mean i'll say there's stuff like phoenix right which is like arguably a visual novel and that is a good example of like yeah you can do it you can do something that is ostensibly like a visual novel format but it doesn't have any porn in it it's just a fun silly like law adventure like consider consider like just the american version of the visual novel which is the walking simulator like, that's true yeah it make, is basically those make buzz when yeah yeah and, when, and when some of them are pretty good they make buzz yeah yeah like i, I think gone home is really good you know, and there's you stuff like, like arguably i guess depression quest is more of a text adventure but it does have like a little bit of visual stuff to it but it plays very similarly to a visual novel just without the you know significant amount of visuals mm-hmm. so you know that's it's a question of growth you know once they're ready to put aside the porn for a little bit and maybe make a serious story that you know it, 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 the sto- a story that's just so good that people don't even complain that there's no porn in it. 
<laughs> yeah. Wait yeah. until then, because you know it's just. It's, or I mean, maybe target it. You know, whatever. Target an audience of target people it who are not else. playing visual novels. Yeah. <laughs> like me, make a game for me, guys. That's all I ask. All I ask is you make a game specifically targeted at my wants and needs. Honestly, I got Evan to read Sino Uda, and he did not block me on Twitter and unfriend me on Facebook yet. Uh, yeah, I just uh, forgot my password. I'll get to that eventually. We were so close. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we have some more stuff in the inbox, but we will save that for future episodes. We're definitely going to get to you guys, so uh, so do not despair. We just don't want to run out of content. Mm. So if you'd like to send us a question for the podcast, you can email us at podcast at anygamers.com. You can also always tweet at us. Uh, I am at sign Vampvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. I'm locked. He's locked. But uh, will you accept people if they if they request? Uh, you? Are you going to like vet people? Uh, get back to me in four years. Well, so uh, blame uh, Donald Trump for David being blocked, being uh, being locked on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to tell you what his handle is anyway, though. He's uh, at sign QX20XX. Feel free to request him, inundate him with requests, and mm-hmm. maybe he'll let you in. And we have a, an Anti-Gamers account, at sign Anti-Gamers. That is where we post all of our uh, like blog posts and you know announcements about the podcast. If you want to ask a question on Twitter, we announce the, the stuff on there and we retweet on our accounts. And... You can check out more information about the podcast, look look for old episodes, comment on episodes, find our show notes on antigamers.com slash podcast. There's also information about Old Taku No Radio there if you want to check that show out. They have their own feed, but I mean, if you're subscribed to this show, then you don't need that because we are currently cross-posting them on our feed. And uh, we also write blog posts and stuff on Antigamers, write reviews. So go check that out, subscribe to us there. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. We really appreciate reviews, especially on iTunes, but definitely on Stitcher, too. Uh, any help you can give in uh, you know, making us look better, promote us to more people, we are uh, always glad for it. And if you write a funny review, we will read it. We have read it before on the show. So, uh, you know, aspiring internet comedians, this is definitely the place to make your big break and not in uh, somewhere like Twitter. It's definitely the, the <laughs> iTunes review section for the Annie Gamers podcast. Twitter, you Twitter's really played hone out. Your, hone your comedy skills. Uh, yeah, and you can uh, yeah read both of us on AnnieGamers.com and read my work in Otaku USA magazine where I uh, have been writing about a bunch of stuff that I don't quite remember all of. Oh, right. I wrote a, a an article, not a review, a feature article about... <gasps> animation and anime but specifically sakuga fandom i was actually i was actually pretty nice to them because i i you know whatever i sometimes Uh, like to like i like to poke at the enemy huh i like to poke at they might have not the they might have good ideas huh they've got some yeah they do some good work and uh, i wanted to kind of write an article about that culture and partially to kind of explain to people what the word means while uh yeah you'll see while sort of pointing out that it's definitely not necessary that it's kind of just a you know jargon word for the word animation but it was an interesting story i did some research interviewed ben ettinger and sort of learned about like how he got interested in uh, in writing like anna pages the the blog that sort of started it all for english-speaking sakuga fandom uh so check that out that should be in the next uh issue of otaku usa and we're uh, 
it's about to be Thanksgiving, so we're going to, you know, we've got the holidays. It might be difficult to arrange stuff, but hopefully we'll be back in two weeks with uh, with episode 70 now that we have finally got past this hurdle. We took a little bit to do this because we needed to coordinate a visual novel and we didn't want to skip episode 69. So you know how many, we should you know be back how many, on schedule. Do you know how many years it's going to take to get to episode number 420 now? Yeah, for t- we got to get ready. We got to like really prepare early for episode 420. <laughs> Are there any other numbers in between we got to worry about? No. I can't think of any. Okay, okay. It's a 69 and 420, the two most important numbers in the alphabet. Hmm. <laughs> He's getting a head start on episode 420, guys. <laughs> uh, let me see. Do I have any, uh, any, uh, any more quotes from this that I can, I can read as the, the outro? <laughs> oh. uh, I think I already used the best one, which is my bloodlust burns like orgasmic fire. <laughs> Oh, no, I got it. I got it. All right. So uh, just, you know, as a reminder of how good the writing is at all times in all visual novels, I just want to say the cause of Yo's distress, Saki Saka Fuminori, responds to Koji's sudden query with a vague mumbled question of his own. 